Hello all, welcome to episode 11 of The Real Spotlight. I'm your host, Tony, and with me is Mania. For this episode, it's all going to be about the finale of House of the Dragon. And just a little quick programming note, in our last podcast, we did mention that Saj from The Films Critic was going to join us to discuss, but unfortunately he had to reschedule. So for this episode, we are going to have our returning champion who has been with us twice. So we're happy and excited to have Minwa back for the third time. And we actually, last week, we were did a Zoom just for fun to talk about the finale. <laughs> so now we can actually record what we talked about. Before we get to Minwa, actually, Minwa, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> well, thank you for um, helping us out. You don't need to say thank you at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. And um, it's not that late for you this time. It's it's what regular hours where you're at, right? It's like what, eight? Yes. It's, okay, so we're good. Yeah, 8 okay. p.m. Right, so why don't we head on and just start talking about the finale? So let me start with Mania. Mania, mm-hmm. what were your expectations for the finale before it started? So I know based on like Game of Thrones history, the final episode has never been like the super action-packed one or anything. So I kind of like checked myself at the door again. I was like, don't expect like big battles, all that. I think I wanted a little more action, but I'm not mad about the whole having an episode dedicated to Rhaenyra and the Targaryens. And yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I just wish we had one more episode after this before we had to wait two years. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be really, really tough to wait till late. 2020 maybe they'll do like august but meanwhile in episode nine it wasn't really super action-packed either like most episode nines or penultimate episodes as they call it it (laughs) was only that last scene with rainice where kind of like oh my god like the wow factor came up Mm -hmm. were you expecting more or did were you surprised where they uh left off um i did sort of expect something big coming i didn't expect it initially i thought episode nine would be sort of the big one or that the events of this episode episode 10 would happen in season two like early season two um but when allison mentioned boris baratheon in episode nine then i just knew something like i knew what was coming i just knew what was coming and i was dreading it so yeah i was kind of expecting it but i like embraced it at the end of the day i was a bit scared um but yeah, I found it exciting at least that they sort of, I don't want to say got it over with, but at least now we are starting off the next chapter and like the war immediately sort of there's like, we're, we're done building up to it, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that that's where we are. I'm happy that it wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. Just knowing that it's going to get absolutely bonkers. And it, if you've noticed that the last three episodes really slowed it down, those mm-hmm. first seven, you're like, Time jumps here, two years later, 10 years later, six years later. The slowness, the pace of it, it felt more Game of Thrones season one, the last three episodes. Like I mentioned in our first episode when we had you on Manoir, like how are they going to stretch this out to four seasons? And this is how they can do it (laughs) if they have episodes like the the last two. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think the change in pace is a bit abrupt for in one season. But I mean, as I said, it's just... Now, at least, we're ready to sort of go back on track with like a slower, steadier pace while everything crazy is, is, is happening in the show. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I can see now. I have a clear vision of where they're 
heading at least i mean in terms of the pace and the events of the show which is fun and exciting you know what i love about game of thrones and house of the dragon is every episode makes me feel so anxious like my heart's pounding and i'm like playing with my nails and cuticles the whole time but at the same time i want more i always want more you're like Allison in episode one. Yeah, like literally, like nails. like literally biting cuticles. Down. I can't. I don't bite my nails, but I like biting my cuticles down and like just scratching my hands and everything. I'm just like so anxious watching it because I'm like, one, anyone can go at any given time. Two, some horrible things could happen again. That's gonna lead to more horrible things, and I'm just like, why do I do this to myself? And when you when you say that, it, it's funny because. Even when episode eight, the last dinner scene with Viserys, they show that little 60 second montage of everybody having a good time. Uh-huh. And yeah. that still made you feel uneasy. Yeah. You're like, what's, you're like what's coming? Yeah, exactly. Somebody's so going to get stabbed in the back or, you yeah. know, and that we still ended up having a confrontation after Viserys left. Mm-hmm. But you're like, I don't like this what's going to happen <laughs> right <laughs> like you can't trust any tiny bit of happiness in the show there has to be something like lurking beneath like the beast beneath the boards so stuff you know like there's no peace there's no happiness there's just something coming yeah it's like every uh the war the old war movies where you have the guy who's the battle is quote finished and he goes oh it's i'm so happy to be going back boof they're dead I know. <laughs> let me let me ask you both this the finale was leaked by an HBO Max employee, apparently. And all you heard for three days were people complaining <laughs> online on how, how it's so horrible. How can they do this? Why would they do that? <laughs> Again, I messaged Minois and she's like, oh, I have the link. And I go, send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so and then I messaged you, right? And she's mm-hmm. and what did you say? No, I'm just going to wait. Yeah, I'm I'm old school and scared that my laptop's going to get like viruses and I hate watching stuff that I've anticipated in bad quality. And I, I know you told me you were like, no, the quality is really good. But no, I was the- like, yeah, I was like, I'm just going to wait to watch it on the big TV and like 4K style. So I was like, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> it, it wasn't like when my brother and I used to buy bootleg movies in Chinatown. Oh, I still have some bootleg movies from China. And you would see somebody like you, they're literally recording inside the theater. It's horrible audio. And then you just see people like walking you see in front of the screen. Up. Or like a cough or a sneeze. Yeah, yeah. You like hear that. people like talking. And I'm like, I yeah. can't. Anyway, no, I click the link and I go, I'm just going to see how it looks the first minute. <laughs> and then you get the first scene. I go, wow, this looks amazing. I had my headphones on. I had, I go, wow, this sounds great too. And then Minwa said, oh, the audio is a little off. And I go, sounds perfect. So then I go, I'm just going to watch the first, this first scene. That's all. I'm just going to watch this first scene. <laughs> and then, of course, like 10 minutes later, like, oh, I know why I decided. Because I go, I go to TikTok or like mm-hmm. Twitter and I have a lot of people. They're like, oh, why did they? Boom, I just swiped and I go, I can't, I can't even go on social media because. Yeah, that is. Already- um- as soon as like you told me you have the link and Minwa has the link, I was like, okay, this link is more available than I thought. So I literally would log, if I had to log on Instagram to like, I don't know, post the story because I had to post it, like I would just do that and exit. I did not scroll those like few days at all. I was scared. <laughs> 
I don't blame you. My friends were the same way. Like mm-hmm. I had a friend that was avoiding everything. Um, and she, I don't know how she did it. I mean, she <laughs> didn't she didn't give temptation and watch the leak. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, more power to her. That's amazing. But another one of my friends, like I think two girls actually messaged me. And they were like, the episode leaked and I saw spoilers. Do you have a link? And I was like, no, I don't. And I, I, at that point I didn't. And then just random people started messaging me like, do you want the link? I was like, Okay, yes, like, I, I know that spoilers are floating around. I have to, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to take the, I know, I know what was going to happen, but I didn't want to take the risk of just seeing a bunch of, you know, like. Yeah, I think if it wasn't in October and I wasn't busy with, like, the horror movies to keep me occupied, I would give in right away. But since I had so much to watch for this month, I was like, I can wait. <laughs> like, I can't give it its dedicate. And guess what? That day we went out and didn't get back to, like, eight o'clock at night. So the anticipation was killing me because the episode was already up for two hours. And I was like, I got to go home. I got to go home and watch. And I was like making theories in my head because the episode, the link was like 56 minutes. Right. And then I go to IMDb. It says an hour and three minutes. And I go, Oh, they must, (laughs) there must be adding seven more minutes, but no, it was, it was the same. It was Mm -hmm. the 58 minutes or whatever. Let's start with the first scene with Renera coming into I guess the hall in Dragonstone, and then you see Luceris, and then you go, he's dead. <laughs> like they're having Aww. a sweet little moment, and he's just like so in awe of his mother. He does not want the, to be the heir of Driftmark. He goes, I can't even get on a boat without getting what is it called, green sick or like nauseated? Yeah. yeah, yeah, seasick. Yeah. They call it green sick. Mm-hmm. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even get on, I can't even leave the harbor without getting sick. It should have gone to uh, Sir Vayman. Well, RIP Vayman. Yeah. <laughs> it should have gone to him and all that stuff. And she, and then, you know, Renera has this sweet scene with her son. She's like, you have the, you know, your blood with your grandmother, your Baratheon, oh, is it a Baratheon? Or, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Baratheon, Baratheon, yeah. Yeah. And Tully, so, I think, yeah. but I don't think, yeah. It was a sweet little moment when he goes, I can't be as perfect as you. And she goes, oh, my sweet child. And he gives him a kiss and a hug. And you're like, oh, how sweet. You're going to die later. You know, funny enough, my <laughs> mind didn't go to that at all. I don't know why I did not. I should, again, like all the comments are saying I should have known better. But for yeah. some reason, my mind did not go to him dying in this episode. Yeah. Um, I think it's because, like, even in the previous episodes, we saw Rhaenyra sort of being a loving mother. Mm-hmm. If it was just out of the blue completely, like, then, okay, we would have, we should have expected something. But, I mean, I don't blame you then for not, like, picking up. Because we have seen, yeah, we have seen her being, like, loving and talking to her kids that way. So it's like, okay, Rhaenyra's just being Rhaenyra and a good mom. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't blame you. And <laughs> if you didn't see it coming, it just meant that you're immersed in the show, you know? So yeah. that is great. I think this episode was also to make us see that Allison and Renera are two different mothers when it comes to their children. Allison is more all business. Cutthroat, I don't think they, yeah. the, I, the once I think once they showed her like hugging Helena. Remember when she's confronting Aegon about mm-hmm. the rape and yeah. Helena comes in, oh, who's going to take care of the kids? Or I think that's the one time that she showed affection with Renera. This episode was all about how basically how great of her mother she is. Yeah, Allison show I feel like Allison has shown affection towards Eamon quite a bit. Like she has stood up for him and defended him. But I think that's because he has what she wants to see in Aegon 
almost like she wishes Aegon was like Aemon, but I don't know. I don't. I think she just doesn't like Aegon all that much. She's. I don't know. I. I don't think Allison does doesn't like her kids, but maybe just reminds when she looks at them, she remembers the life she had and how she kind of wasted her youth away type of thing. Maybe I don't know. And uh, uh, it made me think of another point that I wanted to mention, but I lost my train of thoughts. Was um that a lot of people made connections between Alicent and Cersei, saying that they're sort of similar mothers. But I would argue maybe that Alicent is, Cersei is maybe a bit of a better mom I agree. than Alicent yeah. is, which is an insane thing to say. I mean, calling Cersei a good mom, but <laughs> I feel like she had a bit more like love and care for her kids than Alicent does. Like Alicent is just, as you said, like just business, business, business. Like just think about succession and don't think about anything else. Like it doesn't feel like there's, I'm sure she might have love for her kids. I mean, I wish we saw a bit more of that, but it just feels like Cersei has a bit more love. And I think that's why a lot of people draw connections between them. As like I think kids. it's because Cersei's kids are from somebody she loves. And Alison yeah. was like, her kids are from somebody that, again, it was just strictly business type of thing. But no, yeah. I agree that I think Cersei is a way better mom as far as affection goes. Uh, Tyrion <laughs> does mention in season two, he goes, that's your one good quality. You're a good mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we get to that scene, and while she's talking with um, Luke, you know what's really funny is because she literally, this had to have been on purpose. She uses the word Luke and destiny in the same sentence, and I'm thinking about Star Wars, (laughs) Luke Skywalker. (laughs) This is your destiny, Luke, (laughs) or something. I don't know what the exact quote, but it just gave me a like, what is this, Star Wars? Anyway. um, Wrong franchise. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We get the there's word that Rainey's is here and from Dragonback. And uh, mm-hmm. then, of course, she I love how Rainey just comes in and is like, Viserys is dead. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> like straight to the point, like like she had literally no time to like ease it in. You know, <laughs> we have no time for BS. Mm-hmm. Your, your dad's dead. I'm telling that, you, yeah. I feel like Rainey's is like. I just love her so much, but go on. I already said that so many times on this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think this was that scene was the beginning of Emma Darcy's domination of owning this episode. Their performance is just absolutely insane. I mentioned to I don't know if anybody can win an Emmy off of four episodes. They really deserve it for this. And you can see her face just change, and you can see then we the scene with Luke. They do a good job of subtly telling you she's pregnant again. She keeps mm-hmm. touching her stomach and um, yeah. you can see that. And then she starts getting this this pain of this news that just hit her like a ton of bricks. And that's the beginning of everything going to hell for her, basically. I want to hear your thoughts on Damon's reaction. He basically like attacks Rainey's like, why didn't she just burn him mm-hmm. alive? I think that's, like, I wasn't surprised by his reaction. I mean, a lot of people were surprised by Damon in different ways in this episode. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I feel like Damon was just consistently in line with his character, even in this scene. And he does sort of yell and jump at Rainey's and says like, why didn't you just burn them alive? And it almost feels like a line that was included in the show because they would know that the fans would be frustrated at <laughs> home because otherwise I don't think someone like that wasn't there would have known like, that she had that much of an opportunity. Everyone's screaming, like, yes, you know, like Damon, I agree with you. Why didn't he, he, why didn't she burn them alive? Why didn't she just, you know, like, like get it over with right then and there? Um, so I think we all felt his frustration, but yeah, I don't blame him. And even when he says like, oh, they killed my brother, they killed my brother. Unfortunately, that's something that only we would, like we, the viewers and him and Rhaenyra would. But it'll be hard that- to prove 
yeah in a court like so, oh they killed my brother and we're like uh no yeah like even rainy's probably was like um no that's a bit much and i know that you don't like them but we all know that they did have a hand in it they most likely did have a hand in it and like poppy so yeah i think it's very like i get his reaction it, it, he, he he which like it was all of us like that frustration that he channels to, to rainy's it was all of us at the same time before you get to the question mania do you i'm just thinking out loud i'm thinking out loud they could have killed him long ago so do you think they were killing him or they were just keeping him slowly like killing him slowly but still keeping him alive does that make sense yeah like they were weakening him like until like his body gave up due to old age and i think that if they killed him like earlier on it would have been a bit suspicious would have been a bit um it would have raised some some flags and and wouldn't have made sense but i do think that they just sort of weakened him yeah and they could say just look at the guy yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly uh, you know it's not like like john aaron and season one of or the first episode of game of thrones where they're like he was healthy as a horse and all of a sudden the fever <laughs> yeah. took him and he was dead in two days it's funny that you mentioned the line meanwhile that um when they're like oh you could have burned them alive but you didn't type of thing because it did feel like they added that in for the viewers but at the same time i'm so glad they did because as much as i was one of those people that i was like just burn him just burn him it didn't her answer to me was exactly what we talked about when we discussed that episode which is it wasn't her place to make that decision and that's exactly what she says too which again it does feel like they added that line in specifically to calm people down but mania was uh, mm -hmm. screaming and the tv yeah i was like come on (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah and she didn't and i'm glad they added that line in even though it felt a little too on the nose and as far as damon goes i think damon is so bloodthirsty when it comes to that family in general he's constantly seeing red he's constantly ready to i mean we saw a glimpse of that what was it in episode three or four with the crab feeder like he's just ready to just kill and start a battle he's not about strategy yeah even in i just started i rewatched like the first three and Mm -hmm. even in episode one he was yeah savage and vicious Mm -hmm. as a king you know when they did the lord you know he was trying to cleanse flea mm-hmm. bottom of, i you think know. yeah damon i feel like sees um brutality as power like to him being powerful means being feared and that's why i think he acts so rash all the time and constantly ready to like kill people and start a war yeah i think it, like violence and everything is sort of his way of channeling his emotions like his go-to way you know mm-hmm. which is i mean not a good thing let's move on to yet another birthing scene like mania said in one episode that we covered she's like um i think we're what did you say something about he said we are four episodes as a four episodes six episodes the, yeah and yeah. we've already seen three birthing scenes meanwhile this one takes the cake and yeah. this one is so hardcore mm-hmm. but i think yeah. it was done on purpose to see how strong renera was when i first watched the episode they kept flashing to show her dragon Syrax. oh yeah 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 like quick flashes and i go that's an odd choice and then i read something that that the dragons can feel your pain and that oh. was the dragon feeling for her like if it's Aww. yeah so i thought that was interesting it was so graphic like we we talk about episode one remember mania you're like mm-hmm. wow we can't believe they actually showed the c-section and yeah this one blows that one out of the water uh oddly enough i think the c-section in episode one got to me more i don't know why i think because because she 
that happened to Emma without her knowledge. Like it was just decided for her type of thing. But Rhaenyra was very much conscious about the choices she I mean it wasn't much of a choice but she knew what was happening to her body type of thing but no I mean it was definitely really brutal I think this was really really close second if not on par with the brutality of the episode one and Minois then you have the council with Damon and all you know they're trying to plan this war with the greens coming and all you hear is Rhaenyra you know insane pain and I think one of the Kingsguard tells Damon should you get the maester and Damon's like again another scene to make him f- look like an ass yeah kind of like uh I don't think that it came from a place of like oh what am I going to do I think it was a mixture of him sort of acting out on his anger about or his sadness and grief about Viserys um and wanting to do something about it immediately because as we said he sort of channels his emotions through like not necessarily rage but like violence kind of and I think that he just immediately wanted to like go to war so he couldn't think of anything else but at the same time I think especially after Lena I think that the reason that he didn't want to talk to a maester is because he didn't want to make that decision that Viserys had to do and I think that it was just hard on him I think it was him just sort of being like I can't go through this again I'm done like I loved Emma as Rhaenyra since day one since just, her first birthing scene since her first up. yeah exactly that's yeah, how she was introduced I didn't even think about that but yeah i think emma definitely showed her acting range just in that one scene alone not that we hadn't seen it already but yeah i could see so much frustration in renera while giving birth as you remember when she made that little crack to allison when they were younger like i don't want to be stuck in some tower just giving birth over mm-hmm. and over again and then you go back to episode one with her mother's like your battlefield is going to be in was it childbearing or and there here she is got the news that her father is dead she got the news that they crowned Aegon and this this was supposed to be her moment to become queen and instead of planning getting ready for an attack or attacking she's here stuck giving birth so that's what I kind of got out of that and that's why she yells no I was just gonna say I think in that moment for Rhaenyra it was like when it rains it pours type of thing just everything was going wrong for her at the moment and I agree with you Tony like that was something that was set up for her to be a success and an accomplishment was just ripped out of her hands that really like one second with the news and she, that and, right. and then when the kids come in um she's like you know she's like your grandfather's passed and and no, nothing can be done without my command. And she basically still wants to be in charge. She's in so much pain. And she's telling Jaceres, go tell Damon, can't do anything without me. Mm-hmm. And poor kid. <laughs> he uh, goes down there and he goes, uh, something like Along yeah. the lines of like, no decisions shall be made without my, my mother's presence or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we're not going to do that. And Damon's like, just gives him a little like, just go away. <laughs> Let the adults talk. Um, th- I just want to say that that was such an excellent point about like the mirroring and the fact that it was in episode one and episode two and what her mom said and everything and oh you guys just made it so much more sadder in my opinion like, <laughs> now my heart hurts even more thinking back about that scene and oh um, yeah my heart hurts so much more now for her that was the hardest thing I, in my opinion that was the hardest like her birth like the, the one episode 10 was the hardest thing that I had seen in Game of Thrones I don't think that there was anything that bad like I could see uh, in gore in terms of violence it was fine I could see Joffrey Joffrey's death and everybody's death was like open yeah. eyes that was okay but this I, I I couldn't look at the screen it was too hard and now it's even sadder <laughs> mm-hmm. 
let's talk about after the birth and the death of her daughter. We get the scene on a cliff somewhere. Beautiful location. As always. <laughs> and they're having a mini funeral. Then we get Sir Eric pops up and he shows everybody Viserys's crown. And then he goes into a speech about how he's going to honor. And I think the whole scene was so beautiful. When Damon takes the crown, he stares at it. What do you think he's thinking at that moment when he's... Because they do linger at him staring at the crown for, I don't know, four Mississippis. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's such a good question. I didn't really think much of it, but I do think it's sort of just him. Like, oh, this is happening. I think that he... It's sort of the situation of it all hitting him and also the fact that his wife is the actual heir and like not just the heir, but she's the queen now, you know, like I don't think that it hit him that much before that moment. And but I also think it was an acceptance. I didn't I don't think that I personally don't think that Damon has that much of a like this should be me and a resentment towards her. I, I like he's I over it. He's it's been 20 plus years he's done with it. He's like he don't care. Yeah. Yeah, or like, I don't think that he wanted it. He hasn't been wanting it for a while, I think. You know, he just wanted, after a certain point, he just wanted to be himself and be like a menace or like be naughty when he wanted to be naughty. <laughs> and guess what he wanted? Um, so I think it was just hitting him because, you know, it's a sort of like a, a show-stopping scene just to watch, you know? I just like, I mean, well, I didn't think much of it till you mentioned it right now, Tony, but I, I think it was just more, more of a moment of awe, like, oh, the crown is home type of thing. And it's with the rightful owner. But yeah, I honestly didn't think much of it, but that is a really good realization or just something you caught on. Only <laughs> the you best. Think? Yeah. Okay, no, just kidding. Um, no, I had a feeling of mixed emotions about mm-hmm. everything. You know, maybe that half a second of, oh, this should have been me. But more of a, we're going to crown Rhaenyra now. But also thinking like he's still in war mode right after he turns around and she's seeing the crown and the way the music builds up, how he puts the crown on her is just all perfect. And the shots that they chose of one behind her. I I thought about episode nine when we're crowning that little shithead. (laughs) And I'm thinking, what a juxtaposition of you're forcing these people in King's Landing into the dragon pit like cattle. You're forcing them to see this coronation. Mm-hmm. People don't really care or love Aegon. Then you, you, that wasn't supposed to be the coronation there for Rhaenyra. It just happens to be, but she's surrounded by people who care for her and care for her well-being. So just, and it's so small and intimate. And I just loved his monologue too about how he will serve the queen and. You know, Rhaenyra is that, like my queen type of thing. And I just loved his monologue so much. Who, Eric? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me get to Rainey's real quick. We're still on this, the scene with the coronation for Rhaenyra. And she does mention, this is not my war to start. I'm not going to kill, even though she inadvertently killed hundreds with her dragon. <laughs> <laughs> so she did kind of start a war. The collateral damage she caused is still an act of war. Everybody is bending the knee. And she's standing up. Did you think that was just an act of defiance or like, also, man, that should have been me (laughs) because she's the queen that never was. And she, you know, she's thinking like, man, I could have been that. Or she's being neutral at that moment. She's not going to be bending any knee for anybody. I think that's her way of saying, I don't make decisions without my husband type of thing. Because even when they're discussing um, their like where their house's loyalty lies, she says, 
oh, like we're going to wait for my husband and whoever he decides is worthy, then we're going to go with them type of thing. But clearly she has chosen a side. (laughs) She decided to go there and warn Rhaenyra, which is, again, I think it's an obvious way of choosing a side. So I guess it is in a way. Oh, yeah, yeah. She does say, I warned you because out of the loyalty of my husband and my Mm -hmm. house. Yeah. That's the only reason why I, I, I came because I can't remember the book. She doesn't go to Dragonstone to warn them. She goes back yeah, to Driftmark. She goes mm-hmm. back home. So I forgot who's the person who does warn them. Um, but yeah, about Rhaenys also, uh, I just wanted to say that I don't think that it was her source of thinking. That should have been me because she mentioned already in the show that mm-hmm. she's kind of over it. Yeah. Um, she mentioned it to Cordis in a previous episode, and I think she does in this episode as well. Um, so I don't think that it's that. I do think it's a mixture of her sort of saying I'll wait for my husband but not in a very stereotypical way like when she says that you know that's not just oh a wife saying I'll wait for my husband you know that it's sort of her that her and her husband are a team and that's something that they established really on really early on which I really like because it's not it's different for 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 a Mm -hmm. Westeros show or a Westerosi couple um that they sort of they sort of see each other as like no we're we're in this together and we're not like um yeah like Robert's not gonna be like oh let me see what Cersei thinks (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Cersei's like, I'm not gonna see what Robert. I'm not gonna consider what Robert yeah. says either. So, it was. I think that was where it came from, and sort of her. I think she wanted to like 100 percent confirm their allegiance. You know what I mean? Like, I think she was about 85 to 90 percent sure, like she was on that side. She just needed the push from Corlys to be, and or like to discuss with Corlys and like, look, this is where we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, everything about it was great. It's one of my favorite scenes of the season. But then we get to her going to her first council meeting and just, man, I just, these costume designers are just so incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's walking in with her Queen's Guard. The music, the shot behind her with the crown, it's all so magnificent. I love the fact that Reyna says, wine, my queen. She, she doesn't say yes or no. She grabs it. And then she says, come on. Like she invites her to the table. Um, I so I love that the whole scene of her coming in. I think it was very powerful and majestic and everything, as you said. Um, but when she talks to one of the girls at Bela or Reina, I forgot which one she talked to, um, and she gets the the cup from her. Um, there's there's a tiny little moment where she hesitates and her hand is like slightly, if I remember correctly, hovering over her her belly. So I and if you see it, she kind of almost like she reaches out her hand and then she pulls it back and then she reaches out again and grabs the cup and it was really sad because in that moment she thought she was still pregnant so that was like that hurt my heart to see that but um yeah i did sort of like what you said tony that she sort of includes everyone versus i'm you know we talk about how this juxta the the juxtaposition between allison and and in these two episodes whereas you know allison just you know closed all the doors during the small council meeting she didn't want any of her kids she didn't even want aegon who was the king, I know they were looking for him, but like even Aemon, she just didn't want any of her kids. She said, I'm going to handle this on my own and then tell my kids what to do. Whereas Rhaenyra like, included them and wanted them. But I thought that that was, and even the kids that weren't her kids, you know, so I thought that that was very, I mean, it showed the difference. And I, and I, I love that about her. I mean, Allison went above and beyond to lock people up so yeah. nobody would be included. But uh, first of all, that map looked really cool. Yeah, I was like, I need, I need that table. I was like, I need it. <laughs> It was just really cool, but honestly, Minwa said that so well. I don't think I have much to add on to it, but again, it was another fantastic scene to show Rhaenyra and her how she views power and leadership. Yeah, and this is the first 
sense of I should say butting heads between Damon and Renera because mm-hmm. yeah. Damon is just putting he's asserting his flag or like planting his flag like I'm I'm going to be in charge of this I know I'm ready for war I'm a warrior you guys do this you do that you do this and she's like wait 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 a minute because he's ready he's like let's go we have 13 dragons boom like he's ready to go and kill everybody she's like uh chill out bro <laughs> take a chill pill you see the comments online like oh they had to make Damon the powerful one and now Rhaenyra's the the quote-unquote woman and she doesn't want to go she's hesitant to go to war I thought of it of it reminded me of Viserys she was being her dad of being cautious is not being weak and I just love that talk I love scenes like this they're trying to to formulate this these battle plans and I'm like so invested (laughs) just like you know then when you hear like stark and baratheon you're like oh my god and you're talking about (laughs) you know what about the starks and the guy's like there has been no stark to ever break his oath ever so we know we can count on them and we'll you know we have to go to winterfell winterfell is getting all excited (laughs) that overall scene i thought it was great and and you pointed out the table i think they call it the painted table and it's shown in uh, game of thrones Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody's like, did they not tell them to switch, turn on the light? <laughs> it's like, because, you know, that in season seven, Daenerys is there. And then I think, uh, oh, Stannis. Stannis is there in season two and three. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I guess, I guess nobody gave them the memo that you could turn it on. I was but, wondering, like, what what caused that determination? Like, while I was watching it, I said, like, they called it the painted table. But I don't think it's paint. It seemed like fire, but yeah, yeah. I just kept wondering, like, oh, like, I wonder how that, how, I don't know why I was wondering how it was made, but I was just wondering, because I did remember that Game of Thrones was just, like, plain black. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I thought it, was, uh, it looked so yeah. cool. So that scene, though, that you just mentioned, that's the scene I was talking about where I think it perfectly shows how Rhaenyra and Alicent are mirrored in that aspect of their life because Damon was making choices for her or trying to go against her. And with Allison, like Otto was making all the choices for her. They both were trying to be heard, but nobody was hearing them out because they're women. Well, ultimately yeah. they yes. hear out Renera because they don't do anything. I think True. they just, they push and- Allison to the side. Like, yeah, okay. You can- <laughs> like, sure, shoot, go away. <laughs> yeah, we, This was going to be done even if you were here or not. So it don't matter. This is just a courtesy we're telling you. That's true, but Alicent, like, sorry, Rhaenyra, like, made, like, did take a stand when she told everyone to clear the room just so she could talk to Damon, who had been, who was talking over her for so mm-hmm. long. I mean, like, up and like up until that moment, like he, like, and throughout the episode, he just kept talking over her. Um, but Alicent, like, she tried, but she was just sort of like listening, like, oh, okay, uh, okay, I'll just take quiet. And you know, like, I, yeah. I like, don't blame her because, yeah, mm-hmm. but like, Rhaenyra did sort of did take like a stronger stand to be heard i should say than addison then mm-hmm. that shows the difference that oh that was the i'm sorry i think you mentioned the second scene that they were in that that oh t- i think I, first, I, I jumped a bit no, no, forward right. the first scene <laughs> when they're on the table and renera asked rainies any news from driftmark oh mm-hmm. lord corliss finally is broken the fever he's on his right. way back and name is all <laughs> sorry this is so funny um, Damon so proudly with his chest out, he goes to declare for his queen. 
I just like so like he said it so loud it's like and uh Randy's just like mm, not yet <laughs> like thinking and I, I just to bring that up because I thought it was funny the way he said it that scene leads to the confrontation between the greens right we get word that they auto is there and we get to the same little bridge that's shown in episode two two mm-hmm. with Damon and um I think it's Otto as well or Kristen Cole, one of the mm-hmm. two. It's Lord um, Crispin, remember? That's what yeah. he calls him, Crispin. Krispy <laughs> <laughs> Kreme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we get to the point where the confrontation. I love that scene just for one little moment that I thought was kind of corny. And I mentioned to Minois last week. And it's when, <laughs> when Renera comes with her dragon. I thought it was cool, but kind of corny at the same time. <laughs> Did you guys like her coming in in the dragon? It didn't do much for me, honestly. I didn't think much of it. Again, I was like, oh, she's doing this. So display her power. Like, don't mess with me. My dragon can eat you. So that's that's all I took away from it. But yeah, it wasn't like a scene where I was like, oh, that's so cool. Hell yeah. Like, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I said. I didn't feel like it wasn't very, like, it wasn't impactful, I think, that much. But I mean, I could take it to leave it. You know, like, it was just a scene. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, she said it perfectly. I, I think it would have had an impact if all these people had never seen a dragon but they're oh, so yeah. used to dragons they're like okay we know you're not gonna kill us so this really doesn't really scare us and i made the little comparison to when Daenerys shows up in season seven to the count to the little yeah. meeting with cersei and all that she shows up with her dragon and people are like in awe because mm-hmm. they haven't they been haven't a dragon it. in king's landing since 170 years I guess, I mean, they were trying to show a, a callback to when Rhaenyra showed up with the dragon in episode two. Not that I hated it. I just don't think it worked so well. I think it would have worked better with her just walking down with her King's Guard or Queen's Guard. I mean, either way. But anyway, it, yeah, it wasn't he, like, he, oh, my God, it's, uh, my rating is going to go down for this. But <laughs> I, I thought it was just a... You told me something really funny last week, Tony, too, where you said that they're not scared at all because Otto's probably looking at Dernier and her dragon and he probably thought, like, this doesn't scare me. I just had Rhaenys' dragon Rhaenys, like, in my face. I saw the face. Right. I was going to die. This is nothing. So yeah. that made me have a remembering. Yeah, like, or maybe if, if Rhaenyra was you know, insane, they would have been crazy, but they know deep down she's a good person, so they know they're not gonna be burnt to a crisp <laughs> so i mean yeah so anyway Otto does the great speech of princess renera and she's like bitch it's queen now <laughs> <laughs> that's queen for you sir <laughs> what made me crack up was Otto saying in the king's wisdom he has kind of like this guy's that guy's a moron. What wisdom? This is your words. And he's basically giving them a term of kneel in front of everybody and we'll let you keep Dragonstone and we'll let your basically uh your bastards have legitimacy and Draceris will be your heir to Dragonstone and Lucerus could have drift blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And your younger sons can one of them could squire and one of them could be uh Aegon's cupbearer. <laughs> And that's what Damon goes all out. You remember I, what he said? I don't remember. Mm-mm. Do you remember? Yeah, no, Damon says, 
I'd rather feed my sons to my dragon than have them be a cupbearer or a squire to your <laughs> usurping, drunk, seaward of a king. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he does not hold back. <laughs> yeah. Like, Rhaenyra's like, just shut up. It's like, yeah. you're adding like fuel to the fire here. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Otto had a great comeback of saying, he was crowned in front of the masses. He wears the, the conqueror's crown. He has the conqueror's sword. He was anointed by the faith in front of everybody. He has every legitimate, which is true. Everything he mm-hmm. said was true. It was, but you know what's so interesting about that? When I wanted to say that my notes, I just completely forgot. He says he has every symbol of legitimacy, which is so, like, it's a very smart and clever choice of words, like on the writer's part, because he has every symbol of legitimacy, but he's not the legitimate heir. You know what I mean? Like, he just has the symbol and it's all fake, which I just find so fascinating and very clever, like, use of, like, words. Yeah, and then she just grabs his little hand of the king badge which i bought one of those on comic-con 10 years ago really i have it somewhere here i should have worn it uh, anyway I yeah, have yeah, one. She, yeah i have one too i just want to have one too the the normal hand of the king yeah, of the, yeah. Thrones, the gold one and the the <laughs> the one that daenerys gives to Tyrion, the silver one the hand of the queen that's yeah, yeah. my favorite one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, so here's another little moment that i don't know i'm still trying to process is that he gives her a piece of a page that was ripped off of a book. Mm-hmm. And they show when I rewatched episodes one and two, there's the book, there's the page. Literally, they're showing the page. This was the writer's attempt to say, oh, they still have this friendship and bond. Why would she have, why would she go th- see a page from a paper from 20 years ago and go, oh, you know what? We're good. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go tomorrow and drag him back, and I'll kneel for the king. Like, was that a little forced, or I don't know. I it felt a little forced to me. I think it was definitely a good attempt, but yeah, I think he was trying everything and trying to guilt trip almost Rhaenyra. Like, oh look, this is your friend. Are you really going to betray your friend like that? Type of thing. I think it was a attempt, but not a very good. One. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also, I think because I think it was an episode before this where he tells um Alison sort of like we talked about this too where he said um are you sad because of like it's your children or are you sad because you have this tension with your childhood partner childhood best friend or something like that and I think that he knows that a part of that is still like the wound is still raw a bit yeah and and he knows that that exists in his daughter so he kind of wanted to test the waters as well he said see if the same exists with his with um Rhaenyra so yeah it was manipulative and it was a good attempt but I think that sort of Rhaenyra like she severed that bond with Alicent first she had a poker face I mean she wasn't like crying oh my god my best friend (laughs) like she had that straight face but here's also the thing I feel like for us for a split second it did work because she was I'm not saying she was ready to kneel in front of Aegon and say he's my king but she was trying to find a more peaceful approach to it all after that I I think it did work to a certain degree but not like 100% how Otto wanted it I don't know I think also she was just waiting to hear from the Starks from the Baratheons Mm -hmm. from the Aarons from the Tullys because let's say they all say we're going with Aegon, then I think she would have more of a sense of, you know what, we're not gonna, mm-hmm. we can't do this. We're just gonna, 
I don't think she's going to go all out war if she doesn't have the support of those houses. Right. What I was going to say about um, Rhaenyra considering the terms, I don't think that's it's really worked. I don't think that's Otto's mm-hmm. page worked as, as well as the terms. I think that for a moment she was really considering that the terms, I don't think she was as angry at the terms as Damon was. I don't think she thought mm-hmm. that they were that bad. And I think that she was considering them more in a way that if she accepted them or if she actually considered them, it was a way for her to honor her father and the peace that he always fought for, wanted to keep between them and like within their end. Like he never wanted to start a war. He wanted to maintain the peace from Jaehaerys. Like that was his main vision when he was king. So I think that it was her sort of for a moment really considering keeping the peace and her, not just the peace of the run, but her own peace of mind too. You know, I think that that's what she thought of. Like, I don't want to, like, do I really want to get involved with this? Do I want to, like, with these terms, I'll still have dragons on my, we'll still have Driftmark. Is it worth it? I think that that's what sort of made her get considerate for, for a moment rather than. Yeah, I kind of agree. I was just kind of thinking of, would she bend the knee if she get it, if the support doesn't come? <laughs> they do they do have the dragons but she does make a point she says none of these dragons have gone to war mm-hmm. yeah. you have vagar who is one of the og dragons who's yeah. probably the more battle tested and can probably take out everybody you have caraxes who's daemon's dragon who's seen action but everybody else is green well green in the sense <laughs> of they've never seen any kind of right. battle or and they're all small dragons so after this confrontation in the bridge we get to the second scene of trying to figure out their strategy and this is when you mentioned meanwhile that that Rhaenyra <laughs> kind of goes you know what everybody get out we need to talk because you're just overstepping your bound hit to Damon like you're just talking over me you're making these plans without considering me and I'm the effing queen so they get to the moment that made everybody's the internet explode <laughs> with defending or attacking Damon's character. Let me ask you, were you surprised at the choke, Manya? No, <laughs> this is Damon we're talking about. Okay. Like, no. <laughs> like, it okay. was, I did not put past him to do something like that. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't really shown huge respect towards women in the show. I know he has loved his wives, but I don't know. I feel like he's never been the one to be like... I don't know. I just, I did not put, put it past him to do something like that. So I don't know why the internet was like losing their minds. It's because they've, they've made this into their boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like everybody's internet boyfriend, which the writers are like, they can't, they're shocked that people love this character. And I think I, re- I mentioned in, in one other podcast, meanwhile, with you were on it, I said, oh, they're making him cold for a reason. Remember that, they didn't show him with the daughters hugging them, consoling yeah. them. That and it's all calculated. But this is a guy that flies off the handle, like we've seen with him before. I was not shocked whatsoever. Like Mania said, it's not like it's out of character. I was That's gonna what say I was, if he like went on and like slapped her and beat her up, yeah, I would be like, whoa, like that. This is a bit out of character because he hasn't done that to his like other wife and the duration. Well, he just been- killed his other wife, Mania. You know what I mean, Lena? <laughs> he doesn't do it to, quote unquote, in his views, his pretty wives. <laughs> well, she was yeah. beautiful to me. No, I, I, no I'm saying no, to his eyes. That's why I was like, to his eyes. Because, yeah, to me, she was beautiful too. When they had her on screen, I was like, really? He's complaining about this? She's absolutely stunning. <laughs> yeah. But um, I didn't put it past him to do something like that. 
and it was his way of like displaying his power yet again through violence or yeah and it's yeah, funny I, and i so so sorry to cut you off but no, no. this is great writing again that they pull you in and tell you like oh he's a good character you love him and then they do something like that where you're like damn it david <laughs> i totally agree with you guys i mean there was no reason i think for people to be completely surprised like maybe in the moment okay that that's understandable i, I gasped too you know because it's a bit sudden when it actually happens but at the end of the day it's very in line with his character mm-hmm. and it is sort of in line with him with all of his mixed emotions sort of bubbling out you know i think that even though he like i think up until that point he was sort of restraining himself he like when he left renera and he when he first heard about viseras when then followed by renera giving birth and then followed by the turns there were just so many things that angered him and he didn't like he wasn't violent up you know like he just did not expect let that anger out up until that moment and of course it's wrong for what he did but um i'm just saying that like that's the explanation that i like mm-hmm. like interpreted and inexcusable but it helps to know where it comes from and it doesn't make it okay but i also think that whether you love or hate damon like this if you love damon then this shouldn't really like change <laughs> yeah. love Surprise him for, for, you, for yeah. Cra- <laughs> yeah for like the crazy guy that he is for like this war mad yeah like just like you can like characters that are flawed and like do these things it's fine just know that think think about don't put, project your fantasies of like Damon is the best like partner a girl could have just because you I don't know there was one scene with him that that you liked so <laughs> no then you have the other opposite is like yeah he's showing her who's boss oh. he's sick and tired of oh. her not doing anything and the man's got to do what a man's got to do <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> are people really saying that? Yeah, like oh. he's tired of her being so passive and weak and she, we need to Renira, kill and kill yeah. kill. Yeah, and not just that she's just just because she's not war hungry r- mm-hmm. right then and there that does not mean that she's weak. Yeah. And just because she's taking her time and also they're forgetting that she just had a very traumatic birth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that just that took a toll on her. It's not going to just she's not going to just get out of the, from, from that situation and can be completely ready to to like fight with blood sweat and tears for for the crown she just had her own battle her that and she lost her father and she lost her crown (laughs) all that and all that mixed up together i don't understand all the hoopla i guess um i saw tiktoks about this is character assassination god please get a life i do have a question for you guys though um that part with him like choking her and then she just looks him in the eyes and says the dream that Viserys had of Aegon. How did that affect him? And this is like a genuine question. It's I'm not trying to just get your guys' opinion on it, but because he kind of just backed out in shock that she knew this information and he didn't type of thing. Is that all it was? Or was it something about the dream that... Well, it's set up in the first episode when Viserys tells Rhaenyra about the prince that was promised and the mm-hmm. north and all this. And you're like, shut up. Don't do this to us. <laughs> we don't want to hear about this. Um, but then he mentions it again in episode. It's mentioned a lot. I think the way she gets back at Damon choking her is saying he didn't trust you enough to tell you this. Mm, okay. Yeah. Like I'm the chosen one. I'm the okay. one that he gave this info to, and that's what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. And because she kind of does a, it's so subtle a hint of a smirk. Mm-hmm. Like even after being choked, she's like. He didn't tell you. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, she goes, what? She he didn't little, tell you? Yeah. yeah. Like, 
Does that make sense? I, I'm trying to think. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It does. Gone. It totally does. And also, it's in line with what Emma Darcy said about that scene too. Emma Darcy basically said that in that moment, Rhaenyra sort of like had this moment. She, I have this quote here where basically Rhaenyra feels like she gains legitimacy, where she feels like she's more prepared and she's more confident because she was entrusted with this information, whereas Damon wasn't. And she felt like maybe Viserys loved and trusted Damon enough to trust him with that information too. So, I think that she sort of has, as Emmerer, he said, more confidence and like is more prepared for for what's to come. I think in that moment, especially, I don't know. I think now she's sort of it was that, and also like her wanting to prove herself more after that that um, meeting with Otto and that like brief tense moments with Damon and the the war council meetings. I think that was just like a push that she needed, sort of that. Um, yeah, I was just confused. Like, how was that her, how was that defense mechanism of letting him know that? Like, the whole, I just didn't understand why that was something that broke the camel's back type of thing, but now it makes sense. Yeah. All right. So let's move on from that <laughs> controversial scene or whatever. So we finally get to see <laughs> Lord Corliss back on screen. At, so it had been a, a few episodes since we have seen uh, the mighty Corliss. <laughs> Uh, we finally get to see him. He's in bed. He's in Dragonstone and Rainey's is, you know, they have a little conversation. You can see they absolutely love each other. He's trying to be apologetic and saying, you know, you were right. This stupid little quest of mine for the throne because he was more upset. He was still harboring that res- resentment towards Rainey's not being queen for mm-hmm. 20, 30 plus years, basically. And she's like, and she's like, she's over it. She mentions like, Oh, and by the way, your brother's dead. <laughs> and the way he responded is so perfect. He goes, us, us Valarians always, or something <laughs> like, we don't know when to shut up <laughs> or something like that. Like we don't, our, our ambition, our heedless ambition always gets in the way. He wasn't upset. <laughs> yeah. He was he's, like, he was he's like, like oh, that, makes sense. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he chopped his head off. That's cool. He declares that they're not going to declare for nobody. And then he, they get to the moment where he's like, that Rhaenyra is all her fault. And, and then when Rhaenys comes back, and I think you said Minois. Um, where she says basically like, um, she's, that Rhaenyra is the only one keeping the run together um, by showing some restraint. I think that's what she mm-hmm. says. I, I, yeah, I'm yeah. paraphrasing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and she's, she's right, you know, like, I, and I didn't think that that would be enough to sort of convince Corliss, but I'm, I'm glad it was, you know, like, um, it's because it's true. <laughs> yeah he he says something like i lost and the way she says we lost we lost like you left me here for six plus years i think what stopped him in his tracks is when she said oh he says oh we're just gonna go back to drift mark we'll be with our grandchildren and like really you think that you're gonna i'm thinking in my head like what kind of fantasy world are you living in that (laughs) they're gonna just let you be Mm -hmm. yeah and then she reminds us uh, by the way Luke, Jaceres, and Joffrey. As long as Aegon's king, those kids are not going to be safe. Yeah, I think I, I was I was a bit confused as to why that was enough to convince Cordis. But yeah, I think that's the moment that that does it, where he she's basically like, "There's no way we're safe anymore. Like this is it. You know, like this is like we're not safe. Our grandchildren aren't safe. Like get a grip. Let's just like this yeah, is not this is our way. Being neutral in a ginormous war, it's not going to fly." <laughs> Mm-mm. because they're going to either be attacked by one or the other. I mean, Driftmark is literally <laughs> right next to King's Landing. <laughs> you know, it's not like they're they're far away in, in the, you know, Essos that they can just 
hide. hide this away, is like, yeah. They're right there yeah. in the middle of the action. Yeah, we get to another scene of another another strategy meeting, and then Corliss shows up, which I thought was a great little entrance. Everything Corliss does looks so epic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Corliss was a little arrogant coming into that meeting because at first he's like princess like he doesn't even call her queen i don't know well what do you think his actions in that little meeting was he being a little douchey (laughs) at first uh a little bit but i think like you said he was asserting his power in there too like just because i'm declaring my loyalty to you doesn't mean you can kind of like step all over me type of thing that's that's the impression I got. But I, I'm telling you, I loved Coralis and Rainey so much that I feel like they can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> so, and he but, probably yeah. has he probably has more battle strategy and battle experience than anybody in that room put together. Mm-hmm, yeah. So he knows what he's talking about. So him probably being there more. is such a value for Renera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he probably has more battle experience, I think, than anyone, like any of the other main characters too. Like even King's Landing, none of them are like actual experienced like fighters, right? Like they're what's who's their strongest soldiers, the Kristen Cole. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah, there's a big difference between Crispy Cole and uh, <laughs> and Cornelius and what they've seen. I mean, there's a big, big difference. But yeah, you guys said it perfectly. Like I think Cornelius. He always had that, I don't want to call it an attitude because that's not the right word that I'm trying to say, but he does sort of want to always establish like his presence and his power. Yeah. And he wants he wants the person to know like, you're coming to me. Like you need me. Like, he did the same thing to Viserys. Yeah. If he's going to do it for the king, then he's definitely going to do it for Rhaenyra. I mean, like the still sort of establishing his power and like, yeah, you, you're, you need me. I don't need you. Um, even though he is like, I, I'm accepting your terms, but at the end of the day, you need me. And he, he wants to make it clear, not just to the person, but like everyone in the room, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, like, okay, fine. I get it. It's your pride and everything. But like at the end of the day, you're helping her. He gives a, a little glance to the granddaughters and his quote grandsons. <laughs> and <laughs> then he he's he's talking about the high towers and this treason cannot stand. You're gonna have the full might of the Velaryon fleet. And then he says, By the way, I have we have defeated, you know, the stepstones is not ours. Then he says, like the shipping lanes are ours between Driftmark and King's Landing, and they have to go through us now. And then he mentions something that I thought was kind of cool and kind of made Rhaenyra makes her look smarter because in season (laughs) I think it's episode six I forgot what episode maybe it was episode six that when she's in the meeting and she starts lactating Mm -hmm. that was episode six right yeah and they're talking about the stepstones again and she's all well, they're back at it. Well, they're, we we were and Viserys like oh we're never gonna get rid of those stepstone business and she's like well, we're not going to get rid of it since we didn't have, we didn't put any garrisons there. We didn't set up anything. Mm-hmm. They're just going to keep going back. Let's cut to episode 10 where Corliss like, yeah, we, this time we made sure to put garrisons there. We have everything set up <laughs> and kind of makes Renera look smart there. If you remember that's oh, that's exactly what she said. So I think that was a cool little moment for her. Like, you see, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. Like good things happen when you listen to me. <laughs> So in that scene, we get to hear my mother, uh, Renera says, my mother was an Aaron, so we should have their support. Uh, we should go to, they're like, we're going to uh, send the Ravens out. And then just Sarah says, why don't you just send us? We have dragons. We're going to get there quicker. Corliss is like, that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> the prince is right. And then Renera is like, okay. 
Like she didn't really hesitate. I mean, maybe she didn't hesitate, but I was telling my wife, she's like, "What? They're so young." I said, "Well, I'm thinking about like young, but at 13, these girls are getting married. They're having mm -hmm. children. If they're old enough to get married and have children, they're old enough to go to war or be messengers." So then she lays out the plan. Okay, Jacera, so you're gonna go to the north, and you're gonna meet with Kraken Stark and Winterfell. Luke, you're going to go to Storm's End and meet with uh, Boris Baratheon. So I don't know. I just got chills when I heard all that. You said, Tony, that you got chills. I got like not chills of excitement, more like chills of fear. Because <laughs> I had to mention of Boris Baratheon's name that I had in the last episode. And again, I was just like, nope, nope, the moment's coming. Nope, nope. And so yeah, it, just, it was not excitement on my part because I was just dreading the first thing that we'd get. Oh, it was just. Yeah, I, I was not ready for it to happen, even yeah. at that point. Just To the next scene, which I thought was a really sweet scene again with Rhaenyra and her two bo older boys. And it, again, another scene that shows how loving she is. She's being their queen, but she's also being a mother and trying to protect them. She's like, you're going to go as messengers. You're not going to fight. Just give them a message and come back. And she makes them swear. <laughs> um, well it's like a bible or quran basically or or you know what is it, the seven the faith of the seven book yeah yeah and she's like i don't swear it right now right now swear it. <laughs> i actually have something interesting like to point out with that book because she says something like oh this is what we have to follow now because this is what westeros follows yeah. now, you know because the, the targaryens don't believe in that religion they had like i yeah. don't think they have one or like they have their own i think beliefs. they're kind of um yeah that's a good point i was just reading one of the books and they're kind of not atheist maybe like agnostic yeah i mean it's it also like contrasts the like alicent how she uses it like she uses it in like in a political way too which is kind of modern too you know like i think that that's something that's like i mean i think it's it's her to an extent because i think that she never really did anything she never did anything you know she just sort of mm -hmm. she uses it and she has that mindset from what i understand of the explanations that she does have that but she doesn't really she doesn't have a past that she sort of ignores she just holds on to it because it's the way that she can she can win people over but and also sort of see herself as the correct one and this is also how her resentment like grows yeah. and is born so yeah she yeah, was she never like she never strayed from her oath and yeah. her duty and like she never you know they never show anything mm -hmm. of her even trying to cheat on Viserys or uh, she never derailed mm -hmm. from her and her even duty. with like yeah, even with Laris, she her form of payment was not like the worst thing imaginable type of yeah. thing. So, um, yeah. but yeah, she definitely does use it, like Minwasa, yeah. to make herself more likable and relatable kind of way. I love the scene because again, it establishes Renera as a you know loving person and mother. Again, it sets up Luceris as a sweet little kid. Just Sarah's is like, "Yes, my queen," and he's all, "Yes, mother," and oh, my queen. And, oh. you know, she's just, you know, just like <laughs> sets it all up. This is a great moment of the dragons leaving Dragonstone. And I, I was trying to look up who was the third rider. Was that Rhaenys going to those three dragons that left? I noticed that too, but I don't know who it was. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Because Rhaenys says, I'll I'll take Maylis and I'll around Driftmark. I'll guard the shores or the waters. All right, let's get to Storm's End. 
which we hear oh. about in Game of Thrones a lot. You know, Stan, Stannis Baratheon, or oh, the Baratheons are from Storm's End. Well, we've tracker. never seen uh, Stone's End, right? Like, we've never yeah. actually seen it. Okay. Yeah, but well, this is the first time we see it. Lucerus comes in with his dragon called Arax. Yeah. Was it Arax? Yeah. Flies in, he gets there, and the guards there at, at Storm's End, they're like nonchalant. They're like, okay. You would have thought they would have had a little bit of a reaction to seeing the dragon. And the reason why they're like, okay, is because they had Godzilla on the side. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> the freaking, it looked like Godzilla. It like, did. Yeah, it did. It That's does, how I was laughing. Does. Yeah, yeah, she does. She did. The bigger does look like, a, like Godzilla. And, and I just kind of like, it looks magnificent, but is it is that a little too big? Like, how does that work? I thought it was because I, I even asked Tommy, I was like, what is that? Like, I didn't realize that was the dragon because it was just too big. And I was like, huh, what was that? <laughs> and to think about if they ever do the prequel to this prequel <laughs> with Aegon the Conqueror, the Black Dread is way bigger than Vagar. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Which is crazy because Vagar and the Black Dread, they're they're together. I mean, they they fought side by side. Just the the sound, the the whole setup of the storm and the rain and the lightning was perfect for that scene in particular. Like mm-hmm. it yeah. wouldn't have had the same effect if it was nice and bright and sunny. Yeah, no, not that all. So obviously, when we see, we know that's Vagar, and we're like, yes. Shit. Obviously not, obviously, because I was like, what is that? Oh, <laughs> uh, we get, well, yeah. So we're like, well, we know that Eamon is here. Uh, he just parked his dragon on the side. He can't park it inside. <laughs> All the spots were compact. <laughs> yeah, they, he had to go to like with the track, the trailers park. Oh, uh, Lucerus, the kid, I forgot his name, but he does a really good job in yeah. his brief lines. And we get, of course, we have to get this wise-ass Boris Baratheon. Let me he ask you this. Read. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask. He can't read? I forgot. Yeah, he had right? the maester read. I don't know. Are you talking about the book or? No, no, no. no. Like, I'm asking, like, is it because he can't read? Because he's a lord. I and mean, if he grew up a lord, they have maesters that teach you how to read. <laughs> from... I don't know. I thought that was funny. <laughs> So that didn't make sense. Or if he, or was he trying to show some kind of power? Like, oh, I don't, I don't have to read my own stuff. Yeah, it's it's either that or that. Because I remember reading about this. I don't know if it's in Fire and Blood or if it was another, another fantasy book that. And I'm just meshing the two together. But I do remember reading something of the detail about the like the Lord not reading. So it could be that. It could be something from the book. I can check. I have it next to me. I can check. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I, more of I think it's more of a, I am too important to, to read. read. I don't have um, time to read your letters. Yeah. I think it's funnier if he can't read, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he feels good that he has a prince from one king and a prince now from the, the queen, queen trying to vie for his support. So now he's he feels so important. But I got to say, as much as he was a jerk, um, I got to pay respect where respect's due when Eamon was about to pick a fight with um, Lucerus. He kind of like stepped his foot down. He's like, not in here. And he even had his guards escort him out type of thing. Like, there's going to be no bloodshed on this, like in my place type of thing. So I got to say, I kind of respect him for doing that. I know he was covering his own bases type of thing. Yeah, but, I think it was more yeah. covering. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but he could have easily like 
still let it happen. So I was like, okay, I'm glad he stepped in and said yeah. something because it was getting out of hand. Eamon's so good. Uh, what's mm-hmm. his name? Um, his name is Ewan Mitchell. I, I it, yeah, I thought it was it. ew. <laughs> something with <laughs> ew. Ew. <laughs> Again, he has not that much dialogue in his appearances, but when he does, it's pretty good. He calls out Lucera's and calls him Lord Strong. You know, just to yes. kind of bait him and saying, um, <laughs> Lucerus is like, I'm not going to fight you. <laughs> Eamon's like, well, it wouldn't really be a fight. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can kill you and in I four doubt, seconds. I doubt Addison's give him the same warning. Like you're a messenger. You're not a warrior. I, mm-hmm. like, I highly doubt that. He wants the eye for an eye. and But he says, I just want one. I don't want you blind. I don't want to blind you. How many but, years has it been at this point? <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably and it's that was like, episode yeah. that was episode six mm-hmm. well like six seven years yeah like you said uh mania the boris baratheon's like not here mm-hmm. kill each other out there <laughs> yeah, i'm cool no because he said <laughs> escort him to his dragon basically don't fight in my land yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, i think we, he wanted them out of there like, yeah yeah just just yeah. go just go outside you could do mm-hmm. whatever you want outside i could claim that Hey, whatever happens, happens. It wasn't in my hall. I was gonna say it's like it's not in my hall, not under my roof, and your parents can't get mad at me. <laughs> it's like yeah. a sort of way of saying they can't. None of them can get angry at me. If you die, if you die, I'm like, let, give me my time to decide. Like, yeah, I wash my hands once you leave yeah. this hall. I'm washing my hands of both of you. <laughs> yeah. Do whatever you want. Yeah, I love the scene. The, the next scene is the scene. Of the episode. <laughs> I love how Lucerus is just talking that high Valerian. He sounds like a so what's the word? Fluent. Yes. He's so fluent in that high Valerian. And he's rolling his R's and and you're like, oh, this poor little kid with his baby dragon. Now Mania, you don't know that was gonna happen. No. Did you think Lucerus was dead or did you think that Eamon was just messing with them? At, at that moment. I was so like into the scene and what was happening. I didn't know what would happen. Cause again, this is a show where in the past we've seen, we've seen it go in any direction. I mean, in that moment, even Eamon could have gotten killed. I know he's like riding that enormous dragon, but I don't know. With the, I can never tell with Game of Thrones House of Dragon. I can never tell who's going to go when, just because again, it can happen at any given moment. Towards the end, when he kind of let his guard down and he was just outside of the storm and the clouds, I was like, oh, oh no, you don't do that. You don't stop and look back. That's when I was like, okay, he's about to die. And this is what's going to start the next season and the battles and all that. Like, this is what's going to make Rhaenyra know for sure done with the greens. (laughs) Let me ask you, Minwat. Um, Vagar is one of the she's the oldest dragon in the world and she's seen so much war and she was part of the conquest with Aegon and all that. She was chasing Arex around. Do you think something clicked in Vagar when Arex blew that fire in her face and saying, oh man, like because right after that, all you hear is Aemon saying, no, 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 Vagar, no, no. Mm-hmm. Was it that that made Vagar snap and go, I'm just going to kill this dragon? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, funny you asked me this because you know that I'm, I was on the fence about this last week where I didn't yeah. know if it's like, you know, I, I was struggling with 
this whole aspect of it of like it, it being an accident rather mm-hmm. than it being intentional in Eamon's part which is how it is in the book um but yeah I guess it does make sense and it does tie back to Viserys's quote in the earlier I think episode one or episode two where he says like we should have never messed with dragons and we can't control yeah. them and it does completely make sense I mean and and Eamon's sort of uh, hesitancy and like not wanting like not setting out to kill uh Viserys and sort of being shocked in that moment it does humanize him a bit more because we have seen him be very mad-ish and Damon yeah. like you know like like how we saw Damon being a bit too mad Targaryen in the beginning um and then we sort of kind of see more sides to him I think this was a very sort of quick way to see another side of Eamon which that he actually didn't want to do with and I understand all of that but it still feels a bit like yeah like Ooh, like if they were just a bit more should i say determined or in the show i think it would have been as like it, they should have made it a mistake they should have been like amens i'm just gonna kill him because i want to like yeah, we shouldn't have another misunderstanding that's the thing it feels like another misunderstanding which is frustrating but at yeah. the same time i guess why um they made this a misunderstanding basically. i i i'm going to um, forgive the other misunderstanding because even if I think Mania said in that episode when we the a, the the Aegon of Viserys, yes. they still would have made him king. Otto already had everything yeah. planned, so that yeah. that's that's irrelevant misunderstanding. And I feel know? like all these quote unquote misunderstandings are stemmed from intentional moves. I don't know if that makes sense, but like even though he didn't want to kill him, he was clearly going after him. With again, it is giant dragon. <laughs> like he was still trying to like scare him or hurt harm him in a way, you know. Like maybe he wasn't trying to kill him, but he was still in the wrong, basically. Yeah, and yeah, because... I love yeah, I love his face at the end of oh shit, what did I just do? <laughs> I just started World War Three. <laughs> yeah, but I do wonder what he's gonna go home and what's his side of the story gonna be, type of thing. I think knowing him. He's going to just say, yeah, so what? And to be honest, how is it going to dance around that? Again, him with this Godzilla-sized dragon experienced fighter, how is he going to lie and say, he was coming after me, like Lucerus was coming after me type of thing, this passive kid who just is so likable with his yeah. dragon. Like, I just don't no see one. I can lie about it. Yeah, yeah no one's going to no buy it. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the book is pretty much straightforward. He just kills him. Like there's no, but yeah. again, that's just a, 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 a somebody telling the story. And there's, I love how in the book there's like five alternate there. There's like five theories of what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're saying, yeah, oh, uh, Lucerus's body washed up next to Storm's End, and that's how they knew he was dead. Oh, maybe Lucerus survived the jump in the water, and then he ended up going somewhere and now he lives an alternate life as a fisherman he doesn't remember anything yeah. you know what would have been so awesome if Amen, after he killed Lucerus says Vagar the dance has just begun <laughs> that would have been so <laughs> cheesy <laughs> can you imagine I think if they made it intentional like an intentional kill in a line like that would have worked but yeah, if, if he was just so shocked and said the dance has begun. It would have been so funny. <laughs> uh, he would have been crucified. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we know the reaction is going to be. I think Otto's going to be like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think Allison's going to be more sympathetic and be more upset about it. 
yeah, you took my son's eye, but now my son took your son's life. And yeah, I don't think Allison does. I actually really like Allison's character and I don't think she's as evil as some people make her out to be. Yes, she's not the best person with the best intentions, but I feel like she still does care about others. Yeah. She just cares about her yeah. sons more. <laughs> like her son's success, I should say, not even her sons. <laughs> so basically, like this whole thing, I can definitely see it angering and shocking Alison. I don't know how the show is going to continue or if they're going to differ from the books in any way, but I think it's just because, I mean, they did differ, obviously, because Alison and Anonia are both less brutal in the show than they are in the books. I think that if we get into the next step of it being, I just, I'm really scared that they sort of make her more into a victim. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to say something sensitive here, like, because I don't want to say that she's like, she's always victimizing herself but at the same time she like it's just gonna be sort of like now we don't blame Rhaenyra for you know Mm -hmm. like right like for seeking revenge and everything like at all even if it was before this I wouldn't blame her at all for like seeking revenge because they stole her throne and like they weakened her dad and poisoned her Mm -hmm. dad all those years and everything but at the same time it's just I feel like it's it's be very easy to see Alison as sort of a more sympathetic person I don't want to say victim but a sympathetic person where it's like oh Alison didn't really and you know like it's, it's the blacks that are doing all of this mm-hmm. now you know like I feel like we need to see other than Eamon we need to see some aggression from the greens because the greens. otherwise you're just gonna blame the blacks for being too aggressive with Renera's understandable rage now and Damon and how he is and they have cause for it they have cause for it so they're going to be angry and they have every right to but then it's going to seem like the blacks are the angry ones and the Mm -hmm. greens are the peaceful ones that offer terms and I just want to see a bit more aggression from the greens because I don't think it would be there is clever quiet aggression from the greens but I just need to see something more brutal just that people don't like just that it's not too peaceful because it is like a facade you know what I mean from the black I think uh you'll see it from Otto and I think you'll see it I don't think you'll see it from Allison they're gonna still make her oh no and then but but I think what will well shit i know how to say it i think we'll get to that point with allison but in the future you know persians and farsi there's a word called muzi which is like everything's from underneath with the greens like they do it in such a hidden secretive way that people yeah. don't see how cunning they can be and that's exactly what they are but yeah just like meanwhile said i hope they start surfacing how but i think well, think about it this way though the episode where Eamon's eye is taken out and Allison's about to stab Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra goes, now they see you for who you are. So I guess it is build up for them to yeah. show themselves yeah. as innocent. Like, you know, they're basically guess, both in a ship's clothing kind of thing. Maybe they're saying, well, we have Otto to be the big bad. Mm-hmm. Let's get to a scene that had no dialogue, which is the end scene. And the no dialogue works so well. But that whole scene would not one word is said but everything is said it is one of the best scenes of all of thrones i think i'm gonna say that it's one of the best scenes of all the franchise just because when she turns around and that face i got like chills like she was looking into my soul (laughs) what did you think of that whole setup did you think it was a good idea with no dialogue should they have what was your impression of that particular the last scene of the season 
I thought it was perfect. Um, it was my favorite part of the episode. Um, I couldn't, even though I think it was exceptionally filmed the way that the, the whole dragon battle was filmed, I think that this outshined it. And I can't really call Lucera's death my favorite because it's so sad. But um, this was just so powerful. And Emma Darcy was just incredible. And the fact that the whole scene was like improvised by Matt Smith, it's been, it's been amazing. I mean, that should have been a conscious decision from the beginning because it's just, I mean, wow, it's just it's so powerful. And her stare just says so much, you know, like when you look at Nero's eyes, you just know, like you can see her heartbreak, you can see her grief, you can see her anger, you can see that this is a woman that just has, like it's not that she has had enough, she's just like, there's just no going back at all from that point. And I, one of the most powerful, I think it's the most powerful scene in House of the Dragon so yeah. far. I don't want to say what Game of Thrones like entirety. I don't know. Like I need to. Like, I'm I just saying it's one of the best. I, I'm not saying it's, it's one the, of the best. best. Yeah. I mean, I, I still love Viserys' last entrance. I was about to yeah. say. Ooh, I, know, yeah. I, yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Those are the top two then. Those are the top. Yeah. Yeah, Emma Darcy has such expressive eyes and eyebrows. Again, like you said, Tony, their eyes said it without her, ha- like without Renera having to say a single word type of thing. Like it was expressed so perfectly with facial expressions. And I think that's what made it so powerful that, like you said again, Tony, like a lot was said without having to say anything. And I think I, I saw so many, again, I, I hate to bring up people online, but mm-hmm. they're like, oh the mad queen is coming i'm like no that's not the oh. mad queen and i and i mentioned to Manuel before we recorded like season eight of game of thrones did the nurse so awful that now that any any woman in game of thrones mm-hmm. especially the targaryen shows any kind of anger oh there yeah. she goes mad queen mad queen yeah no yeah. and it's just kind of i thought this was more of a she's in shock and also like it's on like yeah. I even if I had a little tiny inkling of maybe we should just let Aegon be king and you know I'll accept the terms, they're pretty good terms. That's what's thrown out the window. That's there is telling us season what's two coming. is gonna yeah. be <laughs> ridiculous. And that's why again what we mentioned earlier, the it wasn't so much craziness happening other than the dragon fight. Yeah. That right there, that ending scene was worth everything i don't know i keep i know it's hyperbole it's one of i think one of the best cliffhangers we've had um oh in the, absolutely the show. like yeah especially now that we have to wait two damn years mm-hmm. all right so let's do our little ratings mania i'll ask you first okay if you follow me on instagram you already <laughs> saw my rating but uh for this episode what would you give i think one like out of ten one out of ten i think like a nine point three just because again i i was hoping for a battle <laughs> which we got like a mini one but that's the only reason our, that that stopped me from thinking this episode was quote-unquote perfect but it was really good that's really oh good. i thought yeah. you were gonna do like eight because the way no, you no. Sounded i early. um i did i did like it a lot there were a lot of powerful scenes a lot of great performances i'm telling you the only thing that's making me talk of like very little points is the fact that for a season finale i just hoped for like a battle of some sort <laughs> um i think i'd give it around 
it's so close to mine. As I was thinking it's somewhere between a 9 and a 9.5, which is exactly where I think <laughs> you rate it. It's a 9.3, maybe a 9.3 to 9.3 or 9.4. Or 9.5, I feel like I should just round it up. So I'm just going to say a 9.3. Um, I think it's almost exactly what we wanted from a finale. I don't think it's like perfect that it would be a 10, but it's not a 9. It's just in the middle. And I think something that's really brings the episode to that score is those final few seconds are those with Rhaenyra and Damon and Dragonstone receiving the news I think that that like without that scene it probably would have been a nine eight point eight to a nine but that scene and Rhaenyra's (laughs) reaction Emma Darcy it's just definitely a nine point three I'm gonna do nine point five overall I gave the season a nine out of ten overall season one Nine out of ten too. When I okay. saw your review on Instagram, I said yes. Like, that's exactly like word for word and the exact same rating. Nine out of ten for sure. Before you even said your rating, I was like, this is a nine out of ten for me because again, it's not perfect, perfect to be a ten out of ten, but it's part of my French, but damn near perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest accomplishment for the showrunners of House of the Dragon season one was reeling all those fans they lost with season eight of Game of Thrones. Because even before the season started, so many people were like, I'm not even going to bother. What's the <laughs> point? Like, who cares? And all of a sudden, that first episode, everybody was in. And now it's, again, a prequel to the biggest show is now one of the biggest shows. Yeah, this show definitely brought people back together. I don't know if you guys saw that Instagram video, but there was like a giant apartment building and yeah. everyone's TV was literally Sync, the same yeah. light. And yeah, mm. everyone was watching House of the Dragon episode one. So it was really nice to see like the fandom to like unite again. I was going to say it made me so happy. I mean, I think even though season eight was like emotionally damaging and like I felt so sad. <laughs> what made me what made me even sadder was or like more sad was everyone saying, oh, yeah, we just don't care about Westeros anymore. We don't care about Game of Thrones. They just completely sort of neglect the earlier run of Game of Thrones, you know, they just focus on season eight and say, oh, it's ruined everything. I don't even want to think about it. So I felt really sad when people were saying that after Game of Thrones, they're saying, how, how could the greatest show on earth just leave us this way? And I'm like, I just, I feel like I have hope. But the whole time I didn't <laughs> lose hope that people would somehow return and love Game of Thrones and Westeros again. And I'm just glad that it's happening for House of the Dragon. I'm, I'm glad that it's bringing more people back to Westeros. When I first got the idea to say i'm gonna do a podcast the first thing i wrote down was game of thrones <laughs> like to do a podcast just dedicated to that and then in my head i'm like everybody hates it now <laughs> who's gonna <laughs> listen to it only the super hardcore people but mm-hmm. not just rant. but now with this show is like it's brought it back to now where people who do have game of thrones dedicated podcasts are probably like all oh, right yes <laughs> now we have so you know it's just kind of like it's it's come back full circle that is season one of house of the dragon <laughs> um i um, have a question for you guys as somebody who has read the book how accurately did season one go based on that pretty accurate i think it's been quite accurate except where they changed like small details like Aegon um like, sorry Aemond accidentally killing um uh Lucerus versus in the book it was intentional and as I said they were like very brutal but I think other than that it's been quite accurate so I don't know what do you say Tony um I think well Lenor 
his death. Oh yeah, Lainor. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge one. Um, Sir Crispin killing Joffrey, <laughs> Lainor's boyfriend. That was a big change. Yeah. Crispin. <laughs> um, Damon was not in Dragonstone when uh, Rainey's or they heard the ner- the nerds, but <laughs> they heard the news about Aegon being uh, crowned. He was yeah. at Heron Hall, so he was not even there to witness any of that. And um, Damon killing his wife, wife yeah. at the Vale. Oh yeah, yeah. So there were a quite quite a few big changes. But as a but, whole, like I said, um, I'm not too picky with this book because it is based on hearsay. Yeah, <laughs> like so it's they not have like that yeah freedom to sort of get creative. Yeah, that's to answer your question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> This is a question for everybody. And I gave everybody, a, this is a question I gave everybody a week, <laughs> like a heads up just to, because I thought it was kind of, I saw this on TikTok and I should have wrote down the person, but so both of you, you have been <laughs> anointed queen of the seven kingdoms in Westeros. And now you have to pick your small council and I'm the king now and I have to pick my council. We'll go around the room here. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll ask Minwa and then we'll go for your master of ships. Who are okay. you going to have? I think we're all going to have the same one. But I think so. Ahead. Should we say it? One, two, three. Did <laughs> okay. we? No, okay. no, all right, go ahead. One, two, three. We'll all say it. Okay. One, <laughs> two, three. Corliss. 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 <laughs> <laughs> See, that was an easy one. All right. Next question. Okay. That was easy. I mean, there was no other answer for that, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Master of Whisperers. Okay, so I said Varus. Okay. Oh, and um, let, let me uh, add that in this question and slash game that we're playing, every person we pick is loyal to you. They would okay. die for you. They'll never betray okay. you. And they'll okay. all get along with one another. <laughs> I don't care about that. As long as they... <laughs> are loyal to me i don't want them going and killing my hand or something Um, i put um the faceless man just because he could be anyone and go around and gather information so that's who i put (laughs) that's so clever oh that's yeah look at you being all and this was all me no help (laughs) um i was gonna be i was gonna say varus too but whatever all right we'll we'll go to the next one um this one was a little trickier Let's do Master of War. I picked Jamie Lannister. Yes, that's good. Funny, funny yeah. enough, I picked him <laughs> first, but I changed it to Tywin just because okay. he plans things really well. So, yeah, both Lannisters. I, I think Jamie is a good pick. I pick based off the book and all that. So that's, I don't know, maybe that's kind of cheating. I pick Craig and Stark just because okay. how he handles all the battles and how he... <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's, I don't know if that's a good pick because people don't know him, but uh, reacts to things in the book in the future i think he would be a good commander in the field lord commander of the king's slash queen's guard okay um i picked brienne just very straightforward very loyal very strong i could choose her right i think she's the lord yes. commander by the end of game of thrones so yeah brienne of tarth i also picked brienne of tarth so <laughs> the best choice <laughs> yeah honestly <laughs> Man, we could have done one, two, three. Because oh, that's, <laughs> that's the first person I thought of. I go, she, I don't even have to trick her to be loyal. She doesn't <laughs> be loyal no matter what. <laughs> we'll do Master of Coin. So obviously we're not going to pick Tyrion. 
because no. in season three he goes, I have been brought up to spend money, not, <laughs> not make or, or not make or save it. What he's uh, he said something about when Tywin makes some master of coin. Um, so I was thinking Tyrion, actually. I know he says that, but I was thinking Tyrion. <laughs> But the Lannister guy that's in 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 House of the Dragon, I forgot his name. Um, um Jason. Uh, that's Jason, silly name. I guess. I know. Yeah, silly so name and, and a bit Jason? of a silly pick. <laughs> Johnny. It's, it's a, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, a bit of a silly pick, I think. But I in the book, like he manages the, the he he's tasked with handling the money. Um, after this or like the coins and like the treasury and whatever after Viserys' death and he manages the funds really well and just really splits up the the money to secure the the, the funds that the kingdom has access to um, and he's the only person that's came to mind I couldn't think of anyone else from Game of Thrones because I have one pick that's like I'm saving for later but um, I couldn't think of anyone else that handled money yeah this was one I actually struggled with too so I landed on Olena Tyrell so. <laughs> <laughs> just because i feel like nobody could get past her and their money type of thing <laughs> but yeah I, my pick is just a, off of a brief tiny scene in season one when ned stark comes into the first first council meeting and they're like little fingers oh we're six million the crown is six million in debt and he goes i will not believe that john aaron <laughs> has and so i want to pick ned because it seems like he's a cheap guy and he's gonna <laughs> Make sure that everything is on. You don't the up go in debt. Yeah, so I'm gonna pick him. <laughs> All right, here's the biggie. Who is your hand? We'll start with Manya here. Who is your hand of the queen? I will be Tyrion. <laughs> yeah, Tyrion. I don't need yeah. to explain myself. <laughs> I'm gonna blow your mind when I say something about Tyrion. But go ahead, Minwa. Okay, so I was when I was talking to Tony last week. Um, he told me about this game and I said, and I was like, oh, okay. And I wrote down hand of the queen Tyrion. And then he said, yeah, who would pick Tyrion? And I just looked at the paper and I was like, oops. <laughs> and then he, I was like, but Tyrion is so annoying and he loved Daenerys and everything. And that's exactly what I want. And then he said, no, no, the catch is that they'd be loyal to no matter who they are and no matter what their um, like role is. So I might have to pick Tywin. Um, a very Lannister filled council surprisingly yeah. but yeah i might have to pick tywin just because he's so like let's just yeah. say hear, hear me on I'm I yeah <laughs> last week when minwa and i were talking about this i said tywin and she gave me a face of how dare <laughs> you and now she picks tywin how, how about that <laughs> because you changed my mind because uh, you i don't know what you said but you just gave me this very like strong argument against Tyrion, and i yeah, love but Tyrion. i, I want to hear this argument about Tyrion though Why Tyrion not it has the worst advice on the show when it comes to maneuvering everything he tells daenerys goes badly <laughs> yeah that's Fair. True. I love we love that. we love him so much that we forget we don't that see he it, gives yeah. horrible advice when it comes to fine then i want rainies to be my hand okay <laughs> change my answer <laughs> she would no. be loyal she waited for her husband to come back <laughs> my pick would be tywin i think he would be my number one hand out of all the hands of the show he's probably the best one and i think just by default like ned and Tyrion are the worst too because they're good <laughs> people and well i guess john aaron was a good person but we never got to meet him so we don't really know him 
Yeah. Um, you know, we just know that he loved Robert and Ned and stuff like that. I, I'm going to pick time, but I think a close sec might have been uh, Viserys' hand, the strong. Not Lionel. Is it, was it Lionel? Yeah, yeah, Lionel. Another Why? <laughs> Lionel. Why Lionel? I know. <laughs> that is very odd. <laughs> Get this. When you read the book, there is uh, two lords in the, the Reach. One is called Kermit. And another one is called... What? Another... Oh, okay, so really quick. The youngest knight became the house of the head of the house Tully after the death of his father, Lord Elmo. Stop. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. George R. R. Martin, that's the sense of humor. Kermit Tully. His dad was Elmo Tully. Oh my God. <laughs> he, knew, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. All right. So that is our small council. Actually, uh, Minwa, before we head out, where would you rank Sorcerer or Stone in your oh. Harry Potter ranking? <laughs> oh, don't ask me to rank Harry Potter. This no, no, so no, no, no. Just specifically Sorcerer Stone. Would it yeah. be more towards the bottom or more towards the top, more towards the middle? No, towards the top. Thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you. <laughs> You can't ignore the like magic of like the first story. The first I mean, one, exactly. Yeah. It's pure magic. That's yes. what it is. You get a feeling watching it. Okay. <laughs> In our four, I think it's our fourth or fifth episode when we're just. It's called shooting the shit, <laughs> and we're just okay. talking. Um, I mentioned she's talking about the first Harry Potter, and I said it really low. I said, "Oh, that's my that's my last one." She goes. What? <laughs> Wait, You're what? Telling, Your I least know. favorite? No, no, no. I, I said that's no. I said that's one of my least favorites. And she went, oh, the what, what? with the passion? Oh my god, it was one of my favorite moments of the podcast we've had. Oh my god, <laughs> it's gonna, so real. <laughs> because I honestly, I watch it every holiday season because it has that holiday feel to it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so per. It's like I mean, was said it's just so magical for lack of a better yeah. word. Yeah, like you get the you get the Quidditch match, you get the introduction yeah. to the characters, and they're so and the houses. <laughs> I, like okay, they ignore so, the houses later. Yeah. It's so cute. <laughs> I don't dislike any of them. I know I, that. Every, but like I said that, again. Hold on. Where does Chamber of Secrets lie for you? Me? So that th- this is my my least favorite is um the I, fifth one. I still don't get that. Uh, I actually love the fifth one because what I is didn't... it called? Um, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say no, no, my bad, my bad. I, I, I'm gonna change. I forgot. Hmm. My least favorite is gonna be Chamber of Secrets. I was gonna say because I like Chamber of Secrets. It's a good setup to what's coming, but it's too long. It's too long, and it's a bit slower than the other ones. Yeah. I still love it. I still yeah. love it a lot. It was the first Harry Potter movie I watched in theaters, so I have a special bond. It's, with them, I mean, but... it's almost three hours. Is <laughs> it really? I... I it's like two hours and 49 minutes or something like that. Oh my Stop. god, no way! Yeah, I think it's like 240, 245. No, I, I'm telling you, I love all of them. My least favorite is probably the sixth one, only because I love the book for Half Blood Prince and I feel like it didn't translate into the movie. That makes sense. I need to, I, I can't rank them. Don't ask me to rank the Harry Potter. I movie. know, I love I, them. I really can't. But I know that Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone would never be near the bottom. No, no, no. It's, it's like probably my, never. it's maybe my second or third favorite Sorcerer's Stone. 
Yeah, same. Probably third favorite. Azkaban. Yeah, so uh, Chambers is two hours and 42 minutes. Wow. Oof. Yeah, that's too so, long. So, yeah, that's oh, going to yeah. be my least favorite. Even though I still like it, I think it's a little corny at times. It's quirky yeah. and cheeky and all that. But it's not like, <laughs> oh, my God, I want to see this one. And then yeah. I'm going to pick, um, you just said it, Order of the Phoenix. And then yeah. the Sorcerer's Stone will be number <laughs> six. <laughs> one, two, three is going to be Azkaban, Deathly Hallows 2, and then Half-Blood Prince. Goblet of Fire. Whoa, we have a completely Whoa. different Goblet of Fire is my number one favorite. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, Goblet of Fire is four. And then I'm gonna pick um F five is gonna be Hallows part one. That's just the top of my head. We're gonna do a, a, a more serious when you send me your okay. rankings, we'll do a post and then I'll kind of think about it. But I'm pretty sure that's gonna be it. <laughs> Are you surprised that my top three? I am. I am. I'm What's just, your I- top three? top three i i don't know if i i don't know if this is final but <laughs> prisoner of azkaban um sorcerer's stone and goblet of fire maybe oddly enough Pr- prisoner of azkaban is one of my least favorites see? no oh my god <laughs> see she's not a real fan how how <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> No, that's no, when we get Alfonso. Alfonso directs that one. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that was part of the reason because the style was so different from one and two, and I think one and two have that magical, whimsical look to it. And they're and also the little kids in the first two. Yeah, I think in part yeah. three, they're like now real teenagers. The thing is, on rewatch, I've learned to appreciate Prisoner of Azkaban more, and I plan on rewatching it again soon this holiday season. Because I usually marathon the Harry Potter movies, so I'll see can, where it stands. Wait, yeah. wait, wait! All the listeners are like, "I thought this was House of the Dragon talk." Yeah. <laughs> spare, spare us a few minutes on this, people. Mm-hmm. How can you have Chamber of Secrets above Prisoner of Azkaban? I don't. I said it's on the lower part. Oh, the I think you just no, said no. it was my least. No, favorite. my least favorite is uh, Half Blood Prince for sure. Okay. So, but again, I feel like I haven't rewatched that in a very, very, very long time. So I probably will like it more going in with the feeling of I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll let you pass with that. All right. Yeah. But no, the <laughs> prisoner of Azkaban is probably like, are there seven of them? Probably like four or five. No, there's eight movies, right? Yeah. Deathly Hallows is two. Oh, that's right. So yeah, probably like five. <laughs> you didn't know there was two. That, ugh, I did, but they, the book is so big that like, I just. Oh, I bought the book. Remember I showed you? I put it on this. I bought for like three bucks. Those, and those are my books, right? There. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough Harry Potter. Talk. All right. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed Potter talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we should do a special on Harry Potter. Like for real though, we could I... have Minwa and then have some. We could invite some. We could have four. Poor people just duking it out. I have to find somebody who agrees with me, though, so we can gang up on you. <laughs> I mean, the only thing we don't agree with is the Sorcerer's Stone, really. Like, we, me and Minwa collaboratively well, don't Prisoner agree of with Asuka, you. Man. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's you and Minwa collabor- collaboratively <laughs> against me, while the Sorcerer's Stone is me and Minwa collaboratively again, uh, okay. I can say that word, against you, but you get it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I I think with Harry Potter, like there's no way that everyone has the same opinion. Like even if we get That's the fourth true. person here, it's just gonna be like we're all gonna disagree. It's gonna be so funny. But... It's gonna be what? 
No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and we're going to all talk over each other because we're going to be too pissed off. <laughs> this sounds oh. like a recipe for disaster and we should do it. <laughs> yeah. That was a nice little detour to from House <laughs> of the Dragon to Potter. But uh, we're going to head out of here. Before that, I just want to tell Manuel, thank you so much again for joining us. This was, uh, <laughs> it felt like we could have talked for more than seven hours. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just appreciate you jumping on last last minute. So yeah, thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you guys for asking me to come back again. Um, I have to, I always have fun talking to you guys. So yeah. I was just really happy when you guys asked me. So thank we'll have, yeah, we'll have you on call. Just have your beeper ready. <laughs> like, let's get on. I feel like you're you're like mandatory now for our house of the dragon episodes people are like <laughs> discussions yeah yeah people are like why don't you just change your your photo and just add in one meanwhile that we should have one with meanwhile for the house of the dragon episodes we record all right meanwhile why don't you let the peeps out there know where they can find you on um, social media you can find me on instagram at darb khaleesi and also on Instagram, my other project called Scenario. Um, and on Letterboxd, it's just my name, M-I-N-W-A. And yeah, that's... And Mania, where can they find us? They can head on to Instagram. Our handle is the underscore real spotlight. And we have a link tree in our description to link you to all our other social media accounts if you're interested in following us there as well. And once again, thank you, Minwa, for joining us for our House of the Dragon season finale or just the season in general talk. And until next time, peace out.